that button. It's a good button. Look, <laughs> you just bang and record. Oh, that is a good button. It's a good button. Welcome along to Flexcast. It is a podcast that myself, Jam Supernova. Me, Amy Collins. Do. And uh, we do it sporadically. Who knows when the next one is? Who knows <laughs> when this one will be coming out? But it will be coming out. And um, we've got an incredible guest. So we try and speak to uh, senior women in the music industry, CEOs, bosses, uh, people that are like, have, have set the path that we're on and, and, and have basically been trailblazers. We want to inspire you, and we have an inspiring lady today. No pressure, Janine. Welcome. Oh, wow. <laughs> Janine <Wow>. Campardo. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you oh, for inviting man. me. I'm, sorry, I, I'm actually a little surprised I you said you. yes. I could tell. I could tell. <laughs> I could tell. I'm a little surprised too, but let's just On do a it. whim, yeah. And this is actually the first podcast I think we've done where we both know you, oh. which is really nice oh, because I know good. that you guys obviously have worked together and we mm-hmm. know each other as well, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. a lot of our podcasts have kind of been one of us trying to discover a bit more which I'm excited to do with you as well because I think there's a lot of your story that I don't know but it's nice for us to just sit here yeah. and have, have a chat a really yeah, yeah. and do you know what I love the first episode that we ever did was last year of Laura Lucans mm-hmm. who is your very yeah. good friend um, the second one was with Amy LeMay um, who's part of the BBC you are yeah. part of the BBC yeah. um, and then and then now we are here nice which thank is lovely you ladies. thank you all good so um, okay I want to start with you know what I'm going to say I'm going to say it anyway I'm going to start with a little story so <laughs> So when I went to the Brit school, right, uh, we shared a teacher called Mr. Preston. So Jadine had gone to the Brit school prior to me. A uh, lot prior to yeah, her. Quite a, a, considerable, a considerable amount <laughs> prior a to me. Prior yeah. To no one can see this, Jadine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black a little crap before. baby. She looking good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and our teacher, Mr. Preston, right, he would say to me um, when I was working and, and, and being a producer and kind of learning the skills and stuff, he'd be like, you know what? You could be the next Janine Campardo. <laughs> you yes. could be the next Janine. I want to clap. Yeah, and in my head, Janine was this like just this this goddess of radio who I've been hearing about for the last two years of my life. And um, he put me in touch with her. And then on my birthday, on my 18th birthday, I got to go and sit in on the show that she was producing with uh, Trevor Nelson and Gemma Kearney. And I was like, oh my god, I just this met Janine. <laughs> Get Trevor. No. By the way, we're not we're not letting you talk during this. We're just going to talk about talk you. Talk at you. Yeah. That's great. I like it. I'm not the best talker anyway. Like, you lot talk. Yeah, the Janine. And it was just incredible. I'm watching you work and I was just like so inspired. And you've been such an integral part of my journey, me being on One Extra, all the jobs that I've had, uh, the roles that I've, I've done behind the scenes on One Extra. So, wow. Here we are again. Yay. Also, I didn't know you went to the Brit School. I am a Brit kid. So was that was that media that you did there as well? I did media, yeah. And was oh, you yes. the first, not the first year of Brit school, no? Oh, bloody hell, I'm not that <laughs> old. Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> okay, I was just taking the piss now. Sorry, wow. sorry, sorry. <laughs> but you did come from a good year. No, Brit school. <laughs> but you did come from a good year, though. Yeah, I came from, uh, okay, I don't even know what to say to you anymore. I'm sorry, no, I'm Amy, joking. take it away. I, I, was, I, was, I was actually really hoping that when you said you went to Brit school, you'd be like, yeah, I did musical theatre. I was no, like, come on. I really did it. No, no, I went to Brit school. I did media um, and in terms of music, my mum used to work for a management company that used to manage a group called Snap and um, they sang a song, I Got the Power. And um, so every day, you know, we used to go to the offices and it was like, oh, music, you know, this is something this I didn't know there was jobs in music. I must have been about 10, 11. One day we saw Shaka Khan there, you know, like it was just like I was like, OK, 
this is so this is your everyday in a sense well, but it's not just knowing that it was I didn't yeah I didn't know my mum worked as I said she worked for yeah, a management company and I didn't really know what it is but I was like this is quite cool that kind of put me into the music kind of thinking of things and then when I was 15 I done work experience at um, Choice FM from that point I was like I'm going to do radio I know what I want to do I'm going to do radio um very different at Choice FM. You know, I was sitting in studios with um, jigs. No one had a producer. So I wasn't really sure at this point, how am I going to do radio? Because the radio that I'm seeing in front of me doesn't have any producers, doesn't have any production staff. It has a marketing team. But I was like, let me just think about doing radio. So I went to the Brit. Um, I went to the Brit because of Ace. Um, Ace was already there, and um, there was a few. I had a few friends that already went there, so I was like, "Let me try a Brit school." I know I want to do radio. They do radio, so I did media studies. That's where I met John Preston. <laughs> Big up John, man like John, John Preston. Yeah, no, he was he was a great teacher. Um, he did tell me that I never make it in radio with my nails and look at the nails now they look good they're shining they're long <laughs> I even admired them in the lift <laughs> I was like is it is it look at me now yeah I always, we always make that joke he's like yeah 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 and you still got the nails I've still got the nails so what is your role title now my title now is commissioning executive wow. how uh, many roles have you had at the BBC four four this is my fourth okay role. that's wow. actually that's that feels that's what I would anticipate, I guess. Yeah, but 17 years. That's, yeah. So my first question <laughs> is a solid run. I'll that, give you that. No, that's a, that's a service. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It definitely yeah. is. But yeah. that's why we want to speak to to senior women and women in, in your roles, because I think that so often there's like how to get into the industry, but mm-hmm. not how to navigate further through, through the industry. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's kind of what, what we want to try mm, and be. Definitely. My first question is, why did you not sit in the Choice of M studios and watch jigs and not be like, I want to be a presenter? So uh, before there was kind of a decision that I had to make, um, me and Ace did a pilot for One Extra um, and I never put it in and I went for a job instead. So it was kind of, it was a decision because me and Ace used to do a show, um, Ace and Viz used to do a show Mm. on Brit FM and yeah, it was an option and I was interested in it, but kind of when it came down to it, I was like, m- both me and Ace went for a BA role at One Extra. Ace didn't get it. I got it. And then it was like, you know, because we were both at that same point, we're either going to be presenters or production staff kind of thing. And um, I was like, no, I want to be production staff. I want to kind of manage everything. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and how did you find out about One Extra then? How did you how John did you go Preston. from the Brit school to One Extra? John Preston. So he but One Extra was called Network X. Um, okay. they literally just said the BBC has a black music station come in. He was like, You have to apply for it. because uh, at this point I had um we started, I dropped out of uni. So I was like, I you know, I kind of need I need to think about what I want to do. So I'd done lots of work experience, you know, all of that stuff. And then, yeah, Network X came up. Wow. And who who were your peers at One Extra when you first started? What, who were the kind of people that you were working with on the radio and also in production? So um, the first show that I worked on was Rampage. I was the <laughs> broadcast assistant on Rampage. Yeah, my peers at the time, it's like, you know, it's it, like to look at it now, it's like Rebecca Frank, um, you know, 
we all started within the same... Who's now head of KISS. Head of KISS, you know, um, say Emma Stevens, you know, all these people, Rob Littlejohn, Antonio Wright, you know, all these people, Jade, they're kind of all, you know, in really good positions now. Did you have a, did you have like Jams has a Janine when she was starting off? Was there anyone that you were like, I want to be that person? Because it's difficult, right? Because it was a new, it's a new network. So was there anyone there that you felt I can be like this person? It was, it's, um, who was my, okay, so my best friend is cousins with Lisa Anson. It was weird because I used to, my, my positioning before I got into One Extra, we used to look after Lisa Anson's um, son. And um, so I used to see like, you know, like Lisa Anson, June Sarpong. I used to see the, you know, these really successful black females going out, painting the town red, you know, on like their friends, but they're on all different radio stations. You know, I kind of, yeah, kind of watching them and seeing them, it's like, yeah, you can kind of, you can do It's important, this. right? Yeah, yeah. Because if I you think, can't see those people, no, I you can't necessarily think it's feel... important. I definitely think you need something to kind of inspire to as an individual. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. Because when I, when I started working at One Extra, when I was like I was 19, just turning 20, mm. and I was so shocked because when I first worked to the floor, it felt like an even split of in production of, of women and men. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there were women of colour in, in senior roles already, and that was, you know, we're talking almost 10 years ago. Mm. Um, why do you think that was back then? What, does it, and did it feel progressive? It's a tough one because One Extra is different to everywhere else the rest of the BBC doesn't look like one extra, mm. especially 10 years ago. So I think it gives it gave people that kind of false sense of diversity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. you're right. And you know no, why you're that. right? Because as soon as I went to work at a label and I walked into the office, I was like... <gasps> all the women yeah there are all the black people <laughs> i was like i'm sitting in a room talking about uh, urban music and i'm the only woman and yeah. i'm the only black person yeah and i was shocked yeah because i'd been in this false in this lullaby land of mm-hmm. like you know of yep. what your badge says on the back and being on one extra on the, on the one extra floor i'm thinking that oh wow this is real this is what the world is like yeah uh, yeah it's it's different it's you know it's obviously we've come on especially in the female, especially like the BBC, you know, it's been a thing for the last 10 years and you can definitely see the difference. We've got females in massive positions, you know, Mm -hmm. you can definitely see the difference. So when you, after your first role, what did you, what was the second thing that you started doing at One Extra? Um, So I started as a broadcast assistant when I was 19. Then I was that for about four years. Then I became a producer and that is it's kind of the part that I loved. Like, I loved being a producer. So for, for people that are listening mm-hmm. that don't have a radio background, mm-hmm. what, what's the differentiation between a BA and a producer? Okay, so a BA is basically an assistant producer. So you're getting the stuff ready for the show in terms of for the presenter. The producer is responsible for the show. So if that presenter swears... It's your fault. You're in fucking trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can swear now. Fuck you, baby. <laughs> <much. laughs> yeah, sorry. It makes, my, it makes my heart beat. It makes my heart beat. I have to say, as a plug, I've been in a few studios where something's happened yeah. or something's been played in, and I don't see Janine that often. So when she walks in, I'm like, oh God. But you never, you never seemed flustered. And as a producer, yeah, so you so true. imagine I was working alongside you as your BA. Yeah. And you were, we, we were, you were producing... Um, it was, uh, oh, who was it now? Oh my God, why has it gone out of my head? Chrissy Chris, mm-hmm. uh, Bailey, 
and cameo, uh, cameo, and Robbo. Robbo Ranks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was the it was the specialist nighttime programming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember um, you said to me like, "Oh, the 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 the, the language um, that we that we can use on the show has lessened a little bit, so you don't have to be like as strict taking certain things out." So I def I left like a motherfucker in, <laughs> and then in the studio it went it went it went out, and you were like, <gasps> and you was like, but I said, but you said, and you were like, not that word, girl. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> it's so funny what people remember. I was like, at the end of the day, this is kind of my my stance. Mm. We're making radio shows. Yeah, I can't be stressed about entertainment. Like people are doing some really challenging shit every day. Like a motherfucker went out. Someone apologized. Everyone's alive. Yeah, that is kind of how I've done my whole kind of career. I'm like, I'm making. I get up to make entertainment every day. I can't be stressed about this in terms of I just take everything in my stride. Uh-huh. And it, you can feel it, and that's, uh, yeah. but that makes it makes for such a what makes you such a great producer because it it, ma- it keeps everybody else calm. And I think that's so yeah, so yeah, important. yeah, yeah. No, I do. Yeah, I get that because when you've got yeah, even when I was a BA, if I had a flappy producer, you can kind of feel you feel it. It starts a ripple effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you can. And, and when you were working on um, the breakfast show, which was a big breakfast show with Trevor Nelson, he just come over and like it was a, it was a huge yeah. thing. Um, tell me about that experience. And obviously, you're working at unsociable hours as well. When I actually got told, I'd, um, I th- I feel like I'd been seen as kind of a specialist up to that in terms of music. And so when they were like, we're starting a breakfast show and you, we want you to be the producer of it, I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was like, with Trevor Nelson, I used to go to lick parties. Jesus. <laughs> like, so this is massive, but it's exciting. The unsociable hours gave me a lot of grey hairs. That, it, that part was really difficult. I literally went from night, because I think, I want to say... Before that, I was doing uh, Mr. Jam. So I feel like I was doing, uh, I was working Monday to Thursday from 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. Wow. So that was Mr. Jam when he was on later. Mm, wow. Yeah. And then I feel like I, when I switched to, yeah, by the time I was going to breakfast, yeah, I, it's kind of, yeah, I got to wake up. At, and the reverse of that. Yeah. Essentially, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. So that's one thing that, has definitely been a thing for me in terms of Jason and Yare waking up at 2am, you know, doing overnights. Like, times have definitely been a thing over the years, which you just have to adapt to, but I'm definitely great because of it. How how did you adapt to it? What was the, mm. some of the tactics that you, you employed when you were waking up, I guess, at 4am every morning for five days a week? <sighs> there was no tactic. It is honestly like, and you know what? I was young. <laughs> that does help. <laughs> like yeah. seriously, like if you asked me to do that now, I don't think I could. Especially the it was the um, breakfast. You know, you're waking up slightly earlier. It's early breakfast. It's that waking up at two, leaving at three. It's that one. It's just like it's not. It's not. It should be illegal. It's it's hard work, and I felt it took out my immune system. You know, you it, that was a. Tough and there's one. only so long. You, I guess you can do that that role for. Yes, yeah, so I did breakfast for three years. Uh, I did early breakfast for two years. I did overnights for two years, yeah. 
What about the transition that you had from the kind of features and music that you were doing from Specialist to The Breakfast Show? Was there, because I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, that obviously the music creation that you and the DJ were doing in The Specialist Show to the kind of features and then to the change that in Breakfast and it be like a lot more kind of bubbly and sparky. Did, did you enjoy that challenge or what, you know, how did it work for yeah, you? Yeah, I did. I did enjoy it because I feel like on daytime shows, you just have to be more creative. Music kind of you know, take specialist shows. You have to be creative in terms of, but you literally need to come in every day and make something up. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I re- I did. I really enjoyed being on Breakfast. By the time you came in, Gems, it was Gemma, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I started it off with Trevor Nelson and Xena. And I, I was, I wasn't sure because I worked on daytime with Rampage. I kind of, had a bit of a taster, but this was glitzy compared to that. Like, it really was. Yeah, I just feel like I was a really good producer. Sorry. You know you really were. I know, I, like, out of all my jobs, I was the best producer. And you know what, it's important to say that. Oh, we yeah, no, no, in know, terms of out of all, you know, I'm, I'm going up this ladder because you do, that's what you do. But and in if terms you're good of, at your job. Yeah, you yeah no, no, it is, yeah, in terms of being good. But if I say out of all, every job that I've had, what were you good at? I was a sick producer. What was some? I love that. I feel like we need yeah. to get like a plaque on the wall <laughs> that says that Janine, sick producer. Pull this out for you on social. Yeah, you good. Yeah, but I was going to ask that because working with someone like Trevor, man, he prior to that he'd been around, he'd been, mm. he'd done stuff. You know, this is a kind of fully fledged talent that you have. So mm-hmm. there's a lot that you have to do with uh, ma- managing him in a sense because he wants things, you want things from him, but then also the network, as in the, your big bosses, they want things. Mm-hmm. How did you do that? What we had to do is just, it's about, Trevor is a lovely person. You just have to persuade him that you know what you're doing. And I think he got that. It was me and Julie. And I think he got that pretty quick that, you know, we know what we're doing. We care, we like, we care about it. Trevor's a professional. He'll hate me for things, but Trevor doesn't watch anything. So I'll be like, Trev, I watched this last night. This, this, this and happened. Go on air. Wow, sounded better than I told you. <laughs> like, you know, like in terms of a professional was easy. And then I had the other side where, you know, I've got a newer, younger presenter where I have to develop. That was good, too. So I got, yeah, I got a lot out of the breakfast show and just, um, you know, meeting a lot of people, the caliber of guests, everything was yeah a good time. What about any of the guest moments that did you have that sort of like, oh my God, this person's in the room, this is crazy? My worst guest in life of my whole is Alan Sugar. No, you're kidding dreams out here. Honestly, (laughs) I I I never, I just said, I said, just come. Oh, sorry, I thought you met Alan Carr. (laughs) I was like, oh, I thought he was. was, My face was like, I'm Yeah, I was like, you're killing dreams. I was like, Alan Sugar, of course he was. He's awful now. He's awful on Twitter. He's awful everywhere. You know. What happened? But you know, you feel like, Oh, it, not that it's going to be different, but I was like, you know what? He's been doing, he's been funny recently, whatever. I was with Dev. I was producing Dev. We, he was on air and I was like, Dev, just ask him, um, ask the audience if there's any questions. And he was literally like, mouthing to us, I don't have time for that. And he hit, he tapped his watch, but his watch is so expensive. You can hear it. You can hear well, it. Well, Dev's talking. Yeah. Like, in time. Yeah. Stop you tapping your phone, please. Hear, <laughs> like, you can hear it on air like that. And I was like, Dev, go. Just tell him to go. Honestly, that, that, like, that day I was so pissed off. He is the worst person was it just I've his, ever met. Prior to that, was it just his aura and how yeah, he treated staff? It's just a miserable, yeah. bad energy. Yeah. What about good energies? 
I've had loads of good energy. Yeah. Like, you know, you've had, you've got people that kind of fill the room. I'm, I was saying the other day, because I, I uh, met Jamie Foxx again a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But the first time I met Jamie Foxx, I was uh, doing a pilot for The Breakfast Show. And him and Edith Bowman just walked into the studio. I remember, like, not saying anything because like I couldn't I couldn't think of any words <laughs> and then you know when someone just fills up a room he he swanned in swanned out said hello to everybody made everyone feel special and was gone but he was still in the room yeah like, it was like, that was just uh, that was Jamie <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So literally you can just still feel him in the room so definitely Jamie Foxx Jay-Z I, I had a uh, I had to take him down three floors and we had a lot can happen during that like a lot of, a lot <laughs> exactly. of chat a lot of yeah, wisdom we, we happen to talk about MC Hammer but it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry I was waiting for this like the meaning of life <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> the evolution of hip hop <laughs> we ended up talking about MC Hammer like, and you know I kind of looked at him and was like I completely get it. Did Beyonce, you? Beyonce. Really? Like, yeah, com- completely. Interesting. Completely. Is it because he's just smart? Every, yeah. Charisma, everything. Yeah. The way you carry yourself, you know, even, I'm talking to you about MC Hammer. You're making me feel like I'm the funniest person in the world. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, when someone's just, just got it. Yeah. Just I wish it. I could have been a fly on the wall yeah. in the yeah. elevator. I was just literally looking at Jay-Z. Imagine someone had walked into the lift and they were like, why is Jenny talking to Jay-Z about MC Hammer? Yeah, and just laughing, pure laughter going <laughs> yeah. on. so yeah definitely in terms of good moment I've met loads in terms of more good than bad yeah and to to think you know as a producer you've had this incredible journey you've done all these different shows where comes the point where you say I need to move on Mm. I I feel like it was forced on me (laughs) I could be a producer forever but you kind of get to that point where it's like, who is the next program editor? Because it was called something else before. But yeah, so I became a program editor and it was, yeah, it was just kind of the the natural progression. Um, so with a uh, program editor at the One Extra now, basically they have a set of shows to look after. They're responsible for the staff that work on that shows. They oversee those shows and um, it's, it's a lot more staff, you know, kind of managing staff and managing projects kind of job. So, yeah, it was just kind of the natural point to move on to that. And did you miss then the studio? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I really did. And it was like, so you've taken me at the studio and I have to deal with people. I was like, oh. <laughs> it was tough. It was tough. I did, uh, I did find it tough because it's also that thing of when you're a, a producer you know what you have to kind of do every day when I don't have that that space of going into a studio for three hours or I'm like what you know what am I what am I doing kind of thing so it took me a while to kind of get used to the the management thing to be honest and what was how did you and what what like tell us sort of Um, I guess the growth in that journey yeah it's just time I think it was time I think I was covering uh, a maternity leave so I wasn't really sure you know you, when you're covering you're kind of not sure should I put my all into mm. this so like what what kind of um, should I do so when it became permanent that's when I felt that I could start making I'm in I'm in a management position now I can actually start to make some bigger changes and um I started yeah I just started kind of looking at the calendar looking at talent and I I I feel like 
I started kind of making the changes that, you know, you kind of moan about as a producer. Like, yeah, I'm going to do this when I get there. Like, mm. I started, I, yeah, I started doing that. Do you think that I'm always interested in someone in a really managerial role because I think the same thing about if I'm a manager in terms of how I'd treat people. Like, I think, oh, I don't want to give them micromanagement, but I want to be able to, like, be creative with them. and I don't want to just be a problem solver. Did you did you find that balance? Did it take a, a long time or a, a short lead? Mm. People are all different. So I had to kind of, what I had to kind of do is find out how you treat individuals. Some people need to be left alone. Some people need to have a meeting every day. So it, that was my beginning of the job. It's like, I actually want to know what you need from me in terms of how you want to be managed. Like, I'm, I'm not a micromanager. Mm. I just, I don't have time. I just don't feel... Bothered You're bothered about the results. Yeah, I just... In but not how of, they get done. Yeah. you got micro, to trust people as well, right? That's why, like, mm. you're here for a reason. I just... Micro, yeah, I've never been that. But then there's the flip side is that I don't like having lots of meetings for the sake of it. Oh, we spoke about that today, didn't <laughs> yeah, we? Yeah. yeah, a meeting about a meeting. Yeah. yeah, and I don't want to catch up with um, you because it's been a week... And we have got nothing to talk about. Yeah, but you feel like you just need that time. But you, it's in my diary and yeah. you feel like, oh, I'm supposed to meet my manager every week. So I got rid of all of that. And I, as I said, I just kind of dealt with people as individuals in terms of, as I said, I know certain people need to be checked in on a lot, but want to be left to do what they want. And some people just need a lot of attention. And like, is this happening? A lot of questioning. You just kind of have to learn. What about in terms of the people that are in a similar role to you on a managerial level? We we occasionally talk about it, but as a women in music podcast and people that want to support women, is there in 2020, is there a conscious, I'm a woman, I need to, you know, make a statement or stand for myself or I'm a poster girl? Like, is there is there a sense of you be, having that aware? I'm, do, I know what I'm trying to say. I, no, I know exactly what you're trying to okay. I, know, I know what you mean. But as I said, I think the BBC, we've done so much work in terms of I work with a lot of women mm. in, in, you know, in a managerial role that deserve to be there because they're not there because they've been put there because they're women. So, um, yeah. Think, so you did? Did you have to be like? So you wasn't one of one of one of the first to, to go through that door, I guess. No. Oh yeah, that's what you're saying. No, yeah. no, I wasn't. It was. Um, I, I I never. It's weird. It, it's it's so funny in corporations as well. It's because yeah, I never. I can say since I've been at the BBC, I've never, I've never had a problem being a woman. That is, that's yeah. all I need to know. Yeah, that's that's it. It. there we go. That is it. Okay, that is it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. So um, you don't have a problem being a woman, mm -hmm. but what about going from a role where you're your producer and you're friends of all the producers, and now you're 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 your friend's boss? Mm -hmm. How did you deal with that? Um, you know what? I have to like, I wasn't sure how people were going to react to it. I wasn't fast-tracked through one extra. It wasn't like, I, you know, after five years, I'm an editor. I worked my ass off to kind of get to that point. So people respected that. Yeah. And that definitely, you know, it, it, when I got the job, I'm not saying everyone, but it's like, oh, yeah, I get it. Janine deserves this job or, of course, Janine should have this job. So that was definitely a part of it. And it was just funny. It was like, yeah, it was managing people that are a lot older than me. That was weirder to me in terms of, you know, I've worked alongside you for, by the time, I must have been about 12 years at this point. And now I'm 
I have to t- kind of tell you what to do and it was weird but people were a lot better than I thought and it's funny because the people that you think are gonna be funny were fine and the other way around some people were really funny how did you deal with that apart from knowing knowing your worth and knowing why you're yeah, there yeah it was but... just like I've got to suck it up innit like you just got to get on with it I, I get it do better innit you didn't get a job I'm <laughs> saying that quote as well suck it up get suck on with it suck it up do better <laughs> no, bye <it's> <laughs> bye so true. I was like shouldn't have done a better interview yeah. you know what I love that you that's know what the confidence <laughs> that we need yeah no sometimes I, I can totally get that though like I've been in roles where I've been managerial before like 30 and I've kind of felt to myself oh are they going to be okay with me managing them but actually it's always just been a personal thing and actually if you if you work hard and you put put it all in mm. then people will respect you and I think that's mm. just the most important thing to know your own worth as well yeah. which I really gain a sense of from you and it's lovely mm. I am like desperate to know what is next for Ginny I just stopped singing things but what's next for you where are we going so I don't know so I moved to be a commissioning executive from being a program editor uh, because I was bored now I am commissioning exec I, I you know I really I do really like this job um and what does your job entail, sorry? Um, so I commission programmes, podcasts, um, I kind of oversee um, talent, special projects, international trips. I, I, I really, and I don't deal with people. I don't manage any people. So. I just see you oh, running yeah. around laughing. I know. Like, not like that, not like, <laughs> in, like you're in a really good mood. No, not like that. Like, yeah. I don't manage people. People can knock out your whole day yeah. you know, or yeah. your week. If you come and be like, I've got this problem, I haven't done this, or I've got to deal with this, you've got to speak to this, blah. I don't deal with that. And yeah, so I really like being a commissioning executive. But the only problem that I feel like I'm having at the moment is um, the higher that you climb, just the less creativity there is. And I'm getting climbing this ladder is more and more paperwork. And, you know, I'm kind of worried that I'm going to just kind of come away from what I actually love doing. That's quite a hard choice to make now, isn't mm-hmm. it? You're like at the jungle, they call it like, you know, like if you read all those like self-help books, like the Lean In book uh, by the lady from Facebook and she's like, you know, like careers are now like jungle gyms, it's not just a straight ladder. So I guess now you're at a point where you could either go up or you can zigzag and mm, that's yeah. quite a, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, it, I, I kind of just have to see how it goes because, um, yeah, I really like, like, yeah, I can feel me even in this job at certain points, it's like, oh, I'm not doing what I actually started out doing. And like, I w- ultimately, I want to be creative. I was going to ask you about being a commissioning editor because I would naively assume that that would be quite creative because um, rather than working, you know, on a day-to-day with a producer, you're looking at kind of long-form pieces of content that have got a bit more work in and you're and they're all quite unique. D- do you find that? Yeah, 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 yeah. It is, it is, that's what I'm saying, it is creative, but I just, what I'm, 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 my fear is going any higher than this right. point. Yeah. That, it, like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going to lose it. But in terms of what you're talking about, like bigger picture creative stuff, yeah, no, I really like doing that. But I also miss that, like, um, breakfast show producer the other day was like I've got an idea can I just go through it with you and we were just literally like yeah you should get Dotty to do this you should come in here you should play this jingle here like I haven't got time for kind of you know the kind of intricate details about creativity but yeah the big stuff's all right yeah Yeah. (laughs) I guess it's the nostalgia sometimes isn't it because if you're if you're talking about the producing or like stuff that BA is doing it kind of it takes you back a little bit I feel like that sometimes I'm like oh that was nice yeah no responsibilities so yeah I just I'm that's my thing I I def obviously I want to climb. I have climbed, but 
I'm just worried that it's going to take away something that I like doing. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm really intrigued to see what what, what is next because yeah. I feel I, I feel like everyone is so attached to you yeah. and and <laughs> and also, but everyone wants to see where this goes. I want to do some quick fire questions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So first, how have you asked for a pay rise? Secondly, how did you do it? Um, have I asked for a pay rise? Well. I haven't actually asked for a pay rise, but I have asked. Uh, I wasn't happy. <laughs> I'm not this. You probably won't even use this because I'm terrible at this. But I um, I wasn't happy with um, the increase between uh, producer and editor. And um, so, you know, yeah, I'm not happy. So you can hear my typing. <laughs> <laughs> Miss John Preston's like, those nails, girl. Those nails. nail typing. <laughs> And um, sat me down in a room, be like, oh, this is the percentage that you, this is the only percentage that we do give. Da, da, da. Okay. Like, you know, it's like, I don't, don't take my advice on it. Oh, so they took, the, okay, so <laughs> you, okay, so it was my unsuccessful. Is, don't take my advice. Okay. Honestly, do not take my advice on it. It's hard though, it. yeah. it's do hard. Do not because I didn't know, because it's kind of that thing of um, so I don't take the job now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then they're like, "Does it work?" Awkward. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> all right, all right. The secret, uh, the secret to a good board. The board is what the BBC do as interviews. You've obviously done very well, good at boards because you are where you are. Oh, I like this. the secret to a good board. You say that, but I am not good at boards, <laughs> and I have to work extra hard at boards I only go for boards if I want the job I never go for boards people do things oh I'm just gonna try it oh I'm gonna go I don't because they stress me out in terms of I have to to get my editor's job I had to work at my board like it was a dissertation sorry just to rewind because I don't work for the BBC can you just tell me what a board entails um so it's, it's an interview they just want a nice a different word okay to yeah that's what i meant. yes the interview process yeah. of the bbc like does factor panel yeah you know? yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah it's three yeah three two three people in front of you that's why they, they just make it it's an interview job <sighs> interview they make yeah. it sound like a board okay. which you know is yeah. intimidating already Can we just go for a coffee guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> intimidating video link yeah, yeah. No. intimidating yes. already so yeah it's just but i i do feel like uh, BBC interviews are very BBC. That's all I can say. But it's also that thing of I haven't had any other interviews. Mm. Okay, yeah. Like, so that's so, your main experience, so that's right? my, And it's horrible. But literally, I don't find interviewing easy at all. It doesn't come second nature to me. I'm not, you know, um, so I have to work it. I have to do all of the, you know, the things that they tell you, like star. I have to, I take in notes. That is like, I literally taking a notepad and I write down every question they ask me you know before you answer before I answer I love that yeah like I you know such a good tip it's just it's like it's because I'm not good at interviews like I've had to when I was a BA I was producing programs and um for about three years and I I went for a couple of producer in um producer interviews I was a broadcast assistant but I was just acting up I just couldn't get these I couldn't get them. I just wasn't, I wasn't speaking the BBC's language kind of thing. So that's when I had to kind of learn how, you know, they want you to hit particular things. And me being in management has made it easier because I'm on the other side of it. So I kind of know what I'm looking, do you know, I kind of know what I'm looking for, but it doesn't make it any easier. I still have to study like it's 
I love the writing down the question part, though. I quite I think that's a good way to like one get time, have time to think about it. Because yeah. I speak and writing. If I write I something, I can see it. Yeah, Ooh, do you know what I mean? Like that's. Ooh. I think that's a great technique. Yeah, and it's that thing of instead of asking them to repeat it. Yeah, mm, like. I think as a man, I think when you're interviewing as well as a manager, that's really good to know because not I've 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 interviewed people and been interviewed where I've come out and thought I that I wasn't me. That's not who I am as a person. So you have to take that on board right when you're speaking to people as well. Yeah. And I it definitely it's so funny with all of it from going from a program editor to a commissioner. Because as a program editor, I used to have to go and pitch for programs to one extra kind of thing. So I was on the other side. Now I'm a commissioner that people pitch to me. I know how to I know how to act. You know, I look at them, I engage with them, I smile at them because that's what I wanted. Mm. And, you know, I yeah. and I didn't get that. So I was like, I kind of know what I want. I'm the same in the interview. It'd be like, it's fine, take your time. I'll ask you a question again. Mm, I don't think you actually got the exact question. I think because what happens in interviews, especially BBC interviews, people think um, when, when someone asks a question, in a BBC interview, they go through their head and think, oh, uh, this is going to answer competency. This is going to answer. They feel like it's going to hit some sort of mark. So you're not actually thinking the answer of the question. You're thinking, oh, what do I have to get into there? So yeah. I need to get compliance in there. And, you know, mm-hmm. BBC, yeah, that's kind of how it is. So it makes it, it makes it, yeah. That scrambles your brain, basically. Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> it, it's, it's hard. It's hard. And I, as I said, I've always found interviews hard. So I just have to work. I need to uh, edit this podcast because I keep on going, mm, yeah, mm. <laughs> step away from the microphone, Amy. This is not a quick fire question. This is a this is a big, broad one. And even in the last 10 years of me being a radio plugger and seeing how radio has evolved, the music industry on a whole has as well. Um, and obviously with your role as a commissioning editor, I guess that kind of gives carries out what, what sort of features that you're doing. But how is one extra kind of getting in line and also thinking outside of the box of, the competition that they may have at DSPs and how people consume music. Is that something that you're really aware of or is it something that you just focus on one extra? No, we're, no, like we're, we're very aware of it. Somewhere like one extra. Yeah, we have to, um, we have to move the times, young people, everything's different. I, you know, and even thinking about today, I was like, um, thinking about just thinking about the difference in music I was like we're going to probably talk about a bit of a journey of music but when I started One Extra it was Destiny Child and Usher that was in the chart that was black music in the charts kind of thing and now like people do music how they want to do music everyone can have their opinion about music but you can't because everyone's doing it it's subjective right everyone's doing it their own way Yeah, like there's independent artist there's um you know what i mean literally an artist is doing rap songs so he can sell merchandise everyone is doing everything their own way so how one extra's kind of how i feel kind of one extras we just have to kind of be adaptable how i see my role is we just have to be a brand we have to be a brand that is putting out content to be in this game at all we just have to kind of be a brand and kind of just not be seen as a radio station. That's my, that's what I'm trying to do. Be proud in what you deliver. Yeah, yeah. I'm here yeah. with you on that one because I think the future is, it's more than that. One extra is a lifestyle. You're going to get radio, you're going to get video clips, mm-hmm. you're going to get, you're, you're going to get podcasts. You're, that's the umbrella, mm. but it's constant content. It's content, mm-hmm. content, that's content. That's, yeah. that's the only way we're going to survive. And I still, and I feel from a marketing perspective that the foundations of how you build on an artist are still through radio. 
that is that is how a can't lot of forget it works. radio. You can't. You can't. And yeah. at some point, whether you've launched independently and and only come out of your fan base, at some point to get to that wider audience, mm. that's where radio well, will come in. It depends what you want as a. It depends what you want as an artist as True. well. I think in terms of radio, I think creates more longevity because you're creating a different, you're, as you said, a wider audience that are waiting for your next thing and will, and radio supports you throughout your whole career really kind of thing but if you want that quick kind of thing it's the internet and I want to I want to kind of round up because I feel like I feel like we've, we've been we've spoken so much about so many amazing things and we could actually keep on going and do a whole other podcast on the future <laughs> of the industry um but I wanted to round up on someone that's listening right now and they're like five years into their career you know um, they've gone past having their first in- job in the industry. They're sort of like their second part now. Um, how do they then now navigate and what are some of the tips you would give to kind of really elevation? Okay, so yeah, I've been being somewhere um, for 17 years. It's great for, as I said, I've progressed in a career. But how I feel about what you can do now um, and how much you can do now, I definitely think everyone should not stay in anything for too long if it's not your own. That's generally how I feel in terms of um, move around, experience other things, um, get other skills. And I have skilled up because I've changed positions and I've had opportunities to work on live events and organised one extra live after parties and all of that stuff. So I've done other things, but you don't really, I don't feel like there's other places that get to do that. So I was like, I just don't advise anyone to stay anywhere for too long. I think that's my, my main career regret because, you know, I'm at a point where should I stay at one extra, you know, and be great and be bigger and do something more. But I've been there 17 years or should I go on and, and not start, it's not about starting, but it's, yeah, if it's not in your career, you might be either going to a job that is the same. It's it's hard to go up kind of thing. So, yeah, I would definitely advise anyone move around and um, side hustles. Um, you know, I'm born of, uh, I'm third generation West Indian. My grandparents uh, kind of teach you, you know, you have to get a career. Like, in terms of my career, it's great to my family, you know, and they kind of set you, they set you a ceiling. Not on purpose. They set you a ceiling. Be like, yeah, go. You go and be that exec. I became exec at 32. I got to my ceiling at 32, and I'm kind of, I'm not really sure what to do now. So it's that, um, yeah, it's that thing of don't set yourself a ceiling. um, Move around and, yeah, have a side hustle don't it don't depend on one income that is absolutely amazing thank you so <laughs> cute oh, name. I'm just like we're yeah. just like round of applause Jamie Fox yeah. energy your yeah. oh yeah fill the room room's still filled <laughs> thank you so much Janine, for coming welcome. that was amazing it was brilliant